All right. What's up, everybody? It's Patrick Healy with Brooklyn Boxing Podcast. I have a very special guest today on Netflix recently, Crime and Penalties. This documentary is going crazy. And we got AJ Galante. Thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited to talk to you. Um, For the people that have already seen the doc, you know the story, you know, crazy Danbury, Connecticut, uh, USHL or or UHL um, hockey team that just went freaking bonkers. You had fighters coming in. You brought a WWE feel to the whole event um, and really just sent shockwaves through the the sporting world. But um, one big thing at the end of the doc, I saw you were into boxing and I was like, man, I got to talk to this guy because I know you got a lot going on with your gym now. So, um, you know, we'll jump into all of that uh, in a second. But first, I just wanted to say, man, some of these fighters that you guys had on that squad uh, was just incredible. And I was wondering, like with Wingfield and Nadir and some of these guys, did you ever see them training like for boxing a little bit like or, or, or see those behind the scenes, them hitting the bag or like figuring out what grips they were going to use before they hit the ice? Yeah. Um, you know, actually in the, in the locker room, we did, you know, we had like a, a nice size weight room and, 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 you know, you know, fitness area. And we did, we had like, you know, nothing major, like two or three, you know, heavy bags. And, you know, even some of the skilled players, I mean, you know, boxing, as you know, is such a, a great workout. Um, a lot of the guys, you know, definitely use boxing as, as a part of their, you know, regimen training, you know, outside of, you know, on ice stuff, but yeah, some of the, some of the big guys, for sure. Some of the fighters, they definitely got in there and, uh, you know, on the ice. I don't know how much technique was used, but, you know, they definitely they, they got it in. <laughs> and, and during this time period, like you're, you were obviously a massive hockey fan. you were a WWE fan growing up. You kind of blended the two together with the Trashers. But at that time, were you also a boxing fan? No, believe it or not, I, I, I wasn't really. um you know, other than Mike Tyson, like anyone else in the world at the time, I mean, I didn't really know anything about boxing growing up, to be honest with you. Um, you know, when I got into it, it was what, 2011. I mean, I, I went into it almost blindly. Like I went into dealing with the trashers, you know, I mean, um, no experience leading up to it. So no, I wasn't a, to be honest with you, I really wasn't a, a big boxing guy at the time. So when things like wrapped up for you guys on the trashers, I was curious about kind of that origin story of your gym. Um, you know, you started it with um, Fernley Feliz, right? And, and he's the co-owner of the gym. And, and uh, how'd you guys meet? Like what, what was that origin story of champs boxing gym in, in Danbury? Well, I met, um, I met him back in 2011. Like I said, it was, it was kind of a fluke. I mean, I didn't know him up until that point. I mean, he's a little older than me now. And, um, you know, we, we met through, um, kind of a mutual acquaintance one day and he, and he kind of, um, kind of, kind of as randomly as my dad asking me to run the team, he, he kind of, he kind of told me, he's like, Hey, listen, I'm working with a boxer. Um, you know, same thing like you said, are you into boxing? Do you know anything about boxing? And, you know, the answer was no. You know, I I, I wasn't into boxing. I didn't know anything about boxing. And, um, you know, he, he in so many words was like, hey, you know, we'd like to bring you on to help, you know, guide this boxer. And I was just like, this is crazy because, you know, I don't what am I going to do? You know, I don't I don't know what to tell you, but he was super persistent about it. And, um, 
you know, I thought about it and, and frankly, I had a lot of the same feelings like leading up to working with the trashers. I was kind of like, you know, it's a risk I can take, you know, I wasn't married at the time, no kids. So I'm like, you know what, let me jump in and try to learn this. And, and I kind of went into it blindly and, um, here we are. I mean, then the gym, the gym, we started in 2015. It was February of 2015. We, we opened the gym, Champs Boxing Club in Danbury, downtown, um, right by the ice arena, too, which is funny. And um, no, I mean, we just saw a need for a gym. Um, really, the, the, the thought process at the time was, you know, fighters we were working with, we didn't have like a home base for them, you know, like we didn't have like a training camp. So it was kind of like that was the first thought. And then, you know, we thought about, you know, I started a nonprofit out of there and, you know, it's been six and a half years now. We, we've, um, you know, COVID obviously, you know, gave us a good shot, but things are slowly starting to get back to how they were, thankfully. And when I, I was checking out the gym online on the website and, and, and reading about it and everyone says like you guys created that wolf pack, right? We so you got the amateur wolf pack squad. You got a family atmosphere in the gym. And the trashers, the all the guys, uh, ex-players and, and the whole organization, you seem like you had a family atmosphere there as well. So like you obviously have a skill for bringing people together and having that kind of pack mentality. Like what goes into doing that in a, in a boxing gym now? Well, yeah, I mean, when I got into boxing. Originally in 2011, I stupidly thought I'd be able to do the same things as I did with the trashers, you know, and uh I learned very early on, it's a totally different landscape, you know, in hockey, you know, you pay your league dues, they, they slap a schedule on your desk and all you got to worry about is preparing your team. You have a schedule, you do what you got to do with boxing. I mean, that's, it's a whole nother world. I mean, uh, you have to be able to politic with people. Relationships are key. I mean, the trashers, we didn't have any relationships with anyone. We just stuck to ourselves and, we weren't looking to mingle with anybody or anything like that. In boxing, it's totally different. If you don't have relationships, if you don't have a good reputation, you have no shot into doing anything in this sport. So I learned very quickly that I had to adjust my mindset. But where I was able to take some of the things that I did with the trash or we did with the trashers was, um, you know, really with this gym, like you said, I mean, um, you know, look, boxing's an individual sport, but it is very much a team sport. If you're in the trenches with these guys, you see how much it's, it's so important to have a team. Now, don't get me wrong. When they go in the ring, it's one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but it takes a lot more than just getting in the ring. It's that preparation. It's the training camps. It's the, um, it's the lulls in between having fights. Some guys fight a few months in between, you know, so you really have to, um, you have to know the personality. Like my dad always taught me to how to, how to learn the personality of someone, how to, how you could motivate them based on their personality traits. And it's no different in boxing, even more important in boxing to like, get to know these guys and girls, their personalities, what makes them tick. And it's a very hard sport to stay motivated in because like you said, hockey, basketball, football, baseball, they give you a schedule, you know, when you're playing. I mean, it's, you know, barring weather, you know, you know, you're playing boxing. I mean, you know, I mean, they, they, I deal with guys that fight almost monthly. And then I got guys that may not get a fight for four or five months and they just don't know, you know, and it's 
sometimes you get a call on 10 days notice and then it's like you you wonder do i take the risk do i not it's hard and and, and the position that i'm kind of in is i tell these boxers look you're 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 in charge like the boxers in charge ultimately they say yes or no um i'm your gps right so my goal is to sell you an idea how we're going to get there and and i'll i'll try to guide the ship but ultimately it's it's the boxer's choice you know they're in charge but um it's tough man i mean the sport is tough but you know we we kind of kind of dubbed ourselves the wolf pack over here and uh, we have a good team we have a great team a lot of young up and coming hungry guys and girls yeah i saw i saw the amateur team right you guys have had a lot of success and grooming those guys and into the into the pro ranks and like you alluded to, like with the landscape of boxing right now, it's so crazy. You have new networks, new promoters. It's like, how do you decide or what goes into the process of, of being the GPS for these fighters and determining like what network they're going to be on? Like what, what kind of promoter you want to align them with? Um, Cause there's so many options right now, good and bad. You have to, you know, if Patrick Healy comes up to me and says, I want to fight AJ, right? So I get a guy once a week. Hey, I want to go pro or an existing pro. Hey, I want to work with you guys. I get it every week. You know, you first of all, you can't deal with everyone. It's impossible. And I don't want to deal with everyone. You know, there's some people in this business that want to take a big fishing net and get as many guys as possible just for an ego thing. I only want to work with guys and girls if I think I could be an asset for them. And I've turned people away because I don't think I could actually help them. And frankly, I'm not looking to take money from anyone unless I, I earn it, you know? So I've had some pretty established people come up to me and want me to work with them. And it just didn't fit, you know? And, and I don't want to, I'm not looking to take from your purse unless, you know, I'm an asset. The thing is, it's, it goes back to what I said, you know, I really, it's like a job interview. Like I, I talk to guys and girls, if they want to fight or they want to do this, they want to do that. You know, dude, there's really no scientific way I do it. It's just, I go with my gut and sometimes I feel like, okay, we can do something together. And sometimes I'm like, something's not going to work here. I don't know what it is exactly, but I always try to guide them. Like I've guided people all the time. Like, Hey, listen, I can't, I can't do it right now. But getting back to your question, you got to know the promoters, too. You got to know the promoters' personalities. You got to know the type of promoter they are. Are they, um, you know, uh, like I, there's a promoter out of Rhode Island who's one of my favorite guys in the world, Jimmy Birchfield, CES Promotions, uh, out of Providence. I think he is one of, I honestly don't know how old he is. He's an older gentleman, but I'm telling you, he's like, if you think of a boxing promoter, this is the guy, right? He's a legitimate promoter. Like he's literally out passing out posters, passing. He's a legitimate promoter. That's a guy that's in the trenches with you. Um, that's a guy that'll make you feel like you're Mike Tyson. You know what I mean? Like he's a legitimate old school promoter. Then you got newer promoters that frankly don't really promote. They just give you the opportunities. You got to promote yourself. So Dude, I'm rambling here, but it's it's hard. It, you got to know the personalities of all the parties involved. Like, you know, it, it, there's some fighters that can't sell tickets for whatever the reason. They're not big ticket guys. I know right away, all right, this promoter won't like them because at the end of the day, this promoter is more business. They're more about how many tickets is this guy going to sell? You know what I mean? Um, 
you just got to know, you got to know, you just got to be in there. You got to learn every, every piece of the puzzle. You got to know who's who, what's what, and you try to make it fit where you sees best. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. They, I think, you know, that's a really interesting point. And to your credit, like with the trashers, you clearly had an eye for guys who are going to get people to buy tickets. Like you knew what was going to bring excitement. You created that vibe more on the promoter side of things, but, um, with, with managing guys too, it's, it's, it's the same thing, right? You got to spot a guy who's not only skilled in the ring, but ideally someone with a personality or someone with some flair, right. That you think has a lot of potential to go far, um, in the game. There, there's so many different variables, man. I mean, like one of the first things I ask a guy that comes to us and wants to work with us or whatever is I say to them, if I gave you 20 Patrick Healy shirts right now, how long will it take you to sell those shirts? A lot of these guys will look at you like, uh, I don't know. That's a problem because you got to be able, you know, and and it's sad because you know what it is. Um, I tell these guys how it is, you know, I won't work with a guy unless they have a part-time job at least, you know what I mean? Cause a lot of these guys, unfortunately they see the Mayweathers of the world and they think, okay, well, this is, I'm going to be set for life. These guys don't understand. I mean, I have a, I have a lightweight right now. Um, we have a, we have a guy named Omar Bordoy out of Danbury. He's 10 and one, um, 10 and one or 11 and one. Oh my God, that's bad. I think he's 11 and one now, but long story short, when I tell you in 12 fights, he hasn't made a purse. We've had to buy to get him on shows and he's had to sell tickets to get on shows because, um, you know, he wasn't a highly touted amateur coming out of the ranks. So you have to find a way to get on shows. And sometimes that means fighting for a dollar on paper. You know right. what I mean? Now, don't get me wrong. You make it up with sponsors and this and that. But, you know, I tell I tell these guys, look, unless you have a part time job, I, I won't even consider it, because if you guys think you're going to make it on boxing alone right away, you 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 guys are delusional. You know, it's 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 a. um this sport is so crazy. And when you, and I, I think it's, it's someone like me, I feel a responsibility to teach these guys the business side of it because a lot of these guys, they don't understand until it's too late. And then, you know, they don't understand what they got themselves into. Yeah. I think a lot of like the fans don't really understand that either with, you know, a lot of what's been going on recently with like the, the Paul, brothers and like all these guys getting into boxing with big social media followings and they can generate numbers right away. Like you look at Jake Paul and like, he's a novice level boxer. Yeah. But he's able to generate massive pay-per-views, which eyeballs. it just, so it's all about eyeballs and like boxing is a business before it's a sport. Every, you just hit it on the head. I tell people every major sport is a sport first, then a business boxing is business. And then a sport. That's the sad reality of it. And, and, you know, I came into boxing 10 and a half years ago with fresh eyes because I never was involved with it beforehand. So a lot of the boxing purists, you know, they don't like what's going on right now with Jake Paul and this. And, and I say to them, boxing's done it to themselves. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Patrick, tomorrow you could get your pro boxing license if you want right. to. Yeah. I can get you. I could get you a fight in South Carolina for a thousand bucks if you really wanted to. Now, I can't wake up tomorrow and decide, hey, I want to play for the Vegas Raiders. I want to go to the NFL tomorrow. You know what I mean? I can't do that. Right. So boxing, unfortunately, has done a lot of this to themselves. And the other problem is 
some of the problems are not really a problem. When Jake Paul started boxing, I've gotten more people to sign up at Champs Boxing Club than before. So you gotta you gotta adjust with the times, and you may not like certain things that are going on, but you gotta find a way to make it work for you. And um, you know what? Boxing is the closest thing to mimic life, and life is not fair sometimes. Boxing is not a fair sport. There are guys that are gonna cut the line, but you know what? This guy, I don't know Jake Paul, but he built the following. He's taking some risks, and you know what? It is what it is. You, you you can hate it all you want, but you boxing has allowed it. Yeah, yeah. He's been like a master of of trolling and creating clickbait 100%. and things like that. But one 100%. moment, one moment. I think he did. I think he owes you some credit on on creating the clickbait. I think you were the first ever to do a clickbait with the Gretzky announcement, right? With the trashers. Yeah, <laughs> people aren't aware of that story. If you don't mind, just retelling that real quick. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, when we announced the team in 2000, you know, when we when I found out my dad was for real in 2004 and we were actually doing this thing, you know, uh, you know, Danbury, Connecticut. I mean, we're we're an hour north of the city in New York. So it's like we're not a hockey hotbed here. Right. So we're thinking to ourselves, all right, this is great. We're going to do this team. But, you know, hockey's okay, But how are we going to get people like excited? So we purposely made our introductory press conference on April fool's day of Oh four. And that kind of like, that kind of was like a troll move. And it was like, a lot of people had like intrigue and they were like, all right, well, this seems for real, but is it, is it, is this like a joke? And then when we signed up, you know, when we came to terms with Brent Gretzky, you know, Wayne's brother, uh, you know, we kind of leaked it out there that we were gonna, you know, Gretzky was going to be in Danbury. And, um, you know, no one thought to say like Wayne Gretzky, you know, so I didn't we didn't technically lie, but, you know, we we, we just we kind of put it out there like Gretzky. We signed Gretzky. We're going to introduce Gretzky. And, and people were just like, oh, my God, this is. But they were still like they want to believe you, but they can't believe. You. And then, you know, we had dude, we had press there like it was an <laughs> NHL team. Right. So and when we introduced Brent Gretzky, you know, and I kind of feel bad now because, you know, the reality was he was a pretty good player in that league. So we would have had interest if his last name was Johnson. Right. But the reality was it was a marketing move as well. We were kind of killing two birds with one stone. But, you know, when we announced Brent Gretzky, it was kind of like, you know, like, you know, when you hear like the record scratch, it's like, er, and like <laughs> people are looking like Brent Gretzky and, uh, but hey, we, we accomplished what we needed to accomplish. And, uh, you know, we, we got a lot of um, a lot of intrigue from that point forward. Yeah, I mean, the, and then back to the fight game, like it's all about creating hype like that. So I wonder, like your fighters in the gym and, and, and all the guys around you, they probably after seeing that, man, I got to come up with some creative ideas to get some buzz around myself, because like you said, these fighters, they got to promote themselves, especially when they're on the lower level on the come up. They got to get eyeballs on them. They got to build their social media now, if that's yeah. what it takes or, or whatever, to get some buzz. Because like we've been saying, it's a business. You got to you got to get eyeballs. You got to get people to care about your fight. You know, it's you know what I tell these guys and girls is, you know, yes. I mean, it's probably easier. It's easier and it's harder because it's easier than ever because there's so many platforms now. 
you know, social media wise, there's so many platforms to create a buzz. But at the same time, there is so many that you could get lost in it. What I tell guys is, especially when they're first starting out is, yes, you, you want to create a buzz, but it's the ticket sales. You have to be able to sell. You got to try to push, you know, if it's a local show by local 75 minutes away from us or, or you know, closer. If a show comes up, you got to be able to push at least 100 tickets. I don't care if they're general admission. That's really what's going to start it. And, um, you know, it, it's it's tough. It, it's it's really hard. And, and But you're right. I mean, um, our our, uh, our heavyweight, Fly Mike Marshall, who's fighting on the Fury Wilder undercard next week, he's wearing a Trasher-themed uh, outfit next week. So he's very smart. Mike is a very smart, savvy uh he doesn't have a huge social media following, but it, it's it's getting there. And a girl and, after that. Yeah, I mean he um he's smart, and uh, you know what? Hopefully, we got a tough fight next week. But hopefully, hopefully having a trashers with him, uh, it'll uh, rub rub some magic off on him. God willing. Yeah, who's he? Who's his opponent? A young up and coming heavyweight. He's out of the Ukraine. Victor Vikris, I think his name is. He's seven and zero. Oh. You know, those Ukrainians, they got a thousand amateur fights. You know what I mean? They, they're yeah. a big, big prospect. But honestly, um, you know what? It's it's a it's a it's a calculated risk on our part. I feel confident. Mike's been active. Um, that's kind of my my managerial style. I like to keep guys active. You know what I mean? Because I, I'm a firm believer in the minute these guys, there's that much lull in between fights, I think. I think it, it causes issues. So he's been active. Um, he's got a good shot. It's going to be a tough fight, but I definitely think we have a shot to do it. And um, I think we have a shot to look good in, in front of probably the biggest card of the year. So, you know, all the, all the stars are aligned for him to really make a, a major name for himself. You got to get the famous fan section, the trasher section over there for the fight. Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> awesome it's, if tickets weren't like a million dollars a piece, they probably would come out for us. But yeah, no, definitely. I'm hoping, you know, as, as you know, hopefully this COVID stuff lightens up a little and we can do more local stuff. I, I definitely think they'll, uh, they'll be out there and supporting us. Yeah. They, uh, it's going to be amazing just to see your guy out there wearing the trash or trunks. I hope that you're going to get some camera time too. get that, get that shine. Uh, um, I can't wait for Wilder Fury. I mean, the heavyweight division is just crazy right now with Usyk yeah. and Joshua. And, um, you know, what were your thoughts about Usyk's performance? Like, what'd you think about that fight? Um, do you think Usyk's a guy who could beat Fury or, or Wilder, the winner of that? Like, wh where do you see the, well, uh, I mean, Usyk, I mean, Usyk, I think everyone in my gym predicted he was going to win that fight. I mean, um, that guy is just, you know, I think the world knows now, but every, I mean, he's always been a monster, you know what I mean? And uh, he's, uh, he's, his boxing IQ is so ridiculous. I mean, uh, especially in a heavyweight division, you know, we'll see when, you know, I mean, I'd love to see him, you know, obviously, you know, you want to see the big fight. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who's next. Um, I have a feeling regardless of the loss. See, I see, I see, I'm not a boxing purist, right? So, you know, I'm not a new age boxing guy. So yeah, Joshua took a loss. Okay. I still want to see him in fury. Right. So I don't care if he took a loss. Like, you know, I think the problem with the sport today is everyone's so wrapped up 
in like undefeated versus undefeated. Right. So I think people get so like, oh, my God, he took a loss. He's damaged goods. Look, he, he fought a tough guy. He lost. OK. To me, I like watching a guy after he loses. Right. So if you got a big guy like Joshua who takes his first loss, right, I, that's his first loss. Right. I think. Right. Yeah. Well, he, had the, he had the Ruiz loss and then he avenged it. I apologize. You're right. But my point is, when you got a guy like that, that takes a loss. Right. Yeah. I want to see how he comes back. You know, that's the excitement for me. Right. So. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, and that's the problem you get, you you know, boxing people, they build up these guys to like 20, and know, right. Fighting nobody, frankly. And then they take a loss and it's like the end of the world. Like, I still want to see Fury and, and uh, you know, AJ, you know, I don't care if the, you know, who has a loss, who doesn't, you know what I mean? And that's why I think boxing is messed up is, uh, you know, they just, it's like, I'm a huge Yankee fan. Like, all right, if the Yankees lose, like, I still want to see them against Boston, right? Like, I don't care who's, what the record is. So, but uh, Usyk, Usyk would be a problem for most guys, but uh, we'll, we'll see, man. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting um, after next weekend. Yeah, I've talked a lot about that on other podcasts with guys, just about how boxing is like that, where if you take an L, like it's a huge, you know, the fans jump jump off the bandwagon. But I think Joshua has the rematch clause with Usyk. And, you know, he has a chance to be like uh, Lennox Lewis, for instance, who's a guy who lost twice. And one of those losses was a brutal knockout against yeah. Asim Rockman. And then he came out and, and knocked Rockman out. So, you know, Joshua didn't look good. I mean, Usyk totally dominated him, but, um, you know, we'll see how that rematch plays out and, and same thing. Yeah, with I mean, Fury, like, Listen, listen, I'm a Raiders fan, right? I'm a Vegas Raiders fan. You know, the Raiders are three and oh, if the Raiders lose this weekend, I'm not going to not be a Raiders fan anymore. You know what I mean? Like I, I know boxing people, man, I, I gotta tell you, but it's not just the fans. It's, it's, um, it's the networks in my opinion, that's the issue because the networks, they are so in love with that undefeated versus undefeated BS. Right. And, and that's cool, but okay. Like look at, you know, Gabriel Rosado, right. Gabriel Rosado has over 10 losses. I think he's one of my favorite fighters in the world. Okay. His record isn't pretty, but he comes to fight. A lot of those losses could have been wins on, on, you know, different circumstances. Look, he, he's still getting big fights, and and that's how it should be. Guys like that, you know, look at, you know, I can tell you right now, there's guys probably in in North Carolina that are twelve and zero that will get demolished from a guy from Philly who's two and eight, right? Yeah. So it, the records are, I don't, I've never cared about records, and I'm trying to build that culture here in Danbury with these young guys. Like, look, don't fear taking a loss. If you take a loss. We keep it pushing, man. I mean, look, I don't want to see guys get obliterated. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you you got to be prepared. We're not going to just take any fight just because. But guys over here, you know, I'm trying to groom them to, like, not fear. You know, if, hey, look, we lose. Okay, we we, we, we fight again, you know. And, and that's what's that's what's wrong right now with, with the sport, frankly. Yeah, and I want to kind of correct myself. I, I actually don't really think it's the fans' all the time who are going to throw you out. It is more like the business of boxing. Cause oh, yeah. a lot of times as the fans, like if you see a guy take a loss, but it's like a great, a great fight and he wasn't supposed to win anyways or whatever, like he showed up, like a lot of fans become fans of guys because yeah. of that, like a result. No, you know, you, you, the, the problem with the business is the promoters 
answer to the networks, right? So the promoters, you know, the promoters, everyone thinks the promoters ultimately, look, I've seen promoters, I know for a fact, there's promoters that have good show, you know, a good matchup and the network for whatever the reason turns it down, right? So the networks are really the ones that can change the sport if they want to. It's just, you know, it's just easier to just post up, uh, you know, Patrick Healy 20 and 0 against AJ Galanti 30 and 0. You know, it just, it just, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. To go back a little bit to like a lot of these new events that are going on right now, Triller and like the CEO over there, Ryan Kavanaugh, is like throwing these crazy events. Like the last one I thought was honestly a disgrace with Vitor Belfort and Holyfield, but you know, he's doing, he's doing a lot of new stuff. You got Jake Paul in the mix. You got all these things going on. Would you yourself as a manager ever go back to maybe one of those enforcers, uh, maybe Brad Wingfield, try to get him on a card like that? Patrick, man, my life is so random. I don't know. Like if you would have told me a year ago, this stuff would be going like this Netflix doc would have blown up the way it is. <laughs> Everything I've ever done in my life has been total randomness. Like, I have no idea what we're... Look, let me give you the short answer. The short answer is, I would personally... One of my goals is going forward to get more in the promotion end of boxing, to be honest with you. Um, Managing, advising is, is cool, but the reward in the end is so... Basically, what I do with a lot of these guys is I'm promoting, frankly. You know what I mean? So well, you're I would born, like you're to, born to be a bo- not to interrupt you, but I think you're born to be a boxing promoter. I mean, what well, you hey, think- listen, listen, you never know. I mean, maybe this doc, you know, people in boxing see it and maybe who I've you know, if there's guys I haven't dealt with before, maybe that opens some doors. But no, nah, listen, man, I, I don't want to be the next top rank. Right. Like, I don't want to be a huge. See, the problem with boxing is. Everyone thinks they can promote and they want to take over. Right. So everyone comes in with that trasher mentality. Like we're just going to come in and take over. The problem is you can't in this sport. It's impossible. I would rather be a territorial guy, right? Like Connecticut, New York, maybe uh, mostly Connecticut because Connecticut doesn't really have a homegrown guy. I, I would, I would love to be that guy, you know, if it made sense, but um. The problem is like everyone who gets into the game, they, they want to take over. They want to, they think Bob Arum got there by fluke overnight. Right. Or Al Heyman or, you know, yeah. Eddie Hearn. I don't want to be those guys. Those guys are miserable. I've never met a happy guy in the sport. Of, like I'm telling you right now, Patrick, I've never met a serious, like a genuinely like happy person in this business, this business, <laughs> dude, I'm getting grazed. Like you have no idea since I've dealt with boxing, like, Boxing will suck the life out of you. So I'm not looking to be like the next big boxing promoter. I don't want that headache. I could be just like the trashers were like a minor league. We kind of, we were a feeder system for a lot of guys possibly above us. I don't mind being that role. You know, I don't mind taking that role on, you know, help develop some local guys for bigger promoters. Like I could do that. And I would like to do that. It's just, it would, it's just so tough, but you know, the trillers of the world, like these other, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I agree. What happened with Holyfield what was disgusting. Um, but again, that's the commission's fault. You you yeah. can't allow guys like that to get approved, but they don't, they don't care, dude. They, they just, 
it's a money thing. And you pay your look, they want to pay their license fee. Hey, I got a couple bucks. These guys don't care. I mean, um, but hey, boxing, like I said before, boxing has opened the floodgates for things like this. Yeah, it's the Wild West. And and like you mentioned, you know, Eddie Hearn, he's doing an awesome job. And and but like it's an old man's game, like Bob Aaron's yeah. freaking 80 something years old. He's been doing it forever. And then you got Al Heyman. So um, there's kind of like these establishments that aren't really going anywhere anytime soon. But I guess like this might be a tough question. But if you were, I mean, not that you want to be in their shoes, but if you were, would you be trying to like, what would you be trying to do differently, if anything, to try to get more buzz? Like, I know Triller's going like freaking to space with it. They're getting real crazy. But yeah. there's any avenues like in boxing right now that aren't being utilized, like just to promote the sport, like to promote the guys, like make the bigger fights, like get these deals done or. You know. I don't know. I mean, that's a great question. I, I think this sport is full of you know, look any business is like this but this sport has so many egos involved it, it, it's 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 insanity um i wouldn't i don't know i don't know what there are so many ways to fix the sport in general to make it better that's where i would concentrate on um and i think from there if you're able to do different things you know like uh for instance let me give you an example like the nfl you know, Vince McMahon came out with the XFL, right? Now, obviously, it hasn't worked. Um, you know, COVID kind of screwed it up the last time. But Vince McMahon never said, hey, I'm looking to compete with the NFL. I'm just trying to do an alternative, right? And he did. He, you know, he took football, professional football, and he kind of, you know, he sprinkled his own thing on it. Me personally, Patrick, there's so many things I would do with boxing to make it better. Even simple fixes, like, let me ask you a question. And nobody could ever answer this question for me. Old timers I deal with. Why isn't there open scoring in boxing? Okay, why? Now, let me ask you a question. We're playing football, right? We're running around. Did I score a touchdown? I, I think I scored a touchdown. I crossed the line, but did it count? Did I score? <laughs> like, like. How stupid is boxing, right? Let me tell you something. I've seen more problems in boxing happen because of, well, first of all, people people use the word robbery too much. I don't think a close fight can be considered a robbery. If it can go either way, it is what it is. Um, but, dude, I've seen more problems in boxing happen because a trainer says, hey, Patrick, you're winning the fight. This last round? Just use the stick, man. Stick and move. Don't don't take any take any risks, right? right? Yeah, come no, you're hundred percent right. Find, come, to, come to find out, the kid needed a knockout. So, how is it fair for the boxer? How is it fair for the trainers? How is it fair for someone like me who invests in a guy and we just want a fair shake? You know, these guys like imagine playing any other sport and not knowing the score. Like, why? So. Yeah. If I did anything, the first thing I would do is figure a way with a commission to be like, listen, I want open scoring. You know, I calculated. I've gone to so many fights. I get so bored. You know, I calculated. At the end of a round, you know, the bell rings. Judge goes around and picks up the scorecards. It takes an average of 18 to 22 seconds to pick up all three scorecards. Okay. 
Patrick, we're in the year 2021. It takes two seconds to input that on a calculator. And yeah. right before the round, we say, um, after round one, Healy 10, Galanti 9. How hard is that? At right. least you're giving the fighter, at least you're giving the fighter a chance to be like, okay, well, shit, I, I need to, I need a knockout here. You know what I mean? There's no I, guessing. I think it's a no-brainer, honestly. And 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 I've watched some uh documentaries on i believe in thailand with muay thai and and other types of combat they do have live scoring they do have live scoring and it affects the the betting odds as well because then in between odds that's fluctuating so it's like i've asked asked old-time boxing people in their 80s like why why don't they no one can give you an answer and it's so stupid first of all i also think there should be five judges right because here's the problem Listen, you know, there's always that skepticism of, you know, maybe someone could be shady, right? Listen, with three judges, all you need is one, right? It, yeah. it, it affects you have a third of the judges right there. If you have five, it's harder to get to more than one person. You know what I'm trying to say? It gets yeah. weird. Yeah. I also think I also feel like there should be three judges at ringside and two watching on the monitor. Right? right different point of view um dude i i can't even tell you how many things i've been a part of in 10 and a half years and no one can it's, it's so stupid it's like um it's it just that's a that to me is a much major problem than people think because um i've seen boxers and trainers together for years like fall out over a decision that didn't go their way that you know it's a blame game now and it's not their fault you know right if I'm, if I'm telling you, Patrick, you got to go for a knockout and you go for the knockout and you end up getting knocked out, but you were up on the cards. Now you're going to be mad with me. Right. You're going to be like, why did you tell me that? You know? Right. And the relationship between like the trainer and the fighter, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, like it's just so important. I've, um, I'm actually currently in Miami and, and do a lot of stuff out of the fifth street gym here in Miami. So yeah. they got a, got a bunch of, you know, professional boxers, champions, MMA guys, all types of fighters in there. And Dino Spencer is the owner of the gym. He's over in Milan, Italy right now. Daniele Scardino is fighting for the WBO intercontinental belt, 160 pounds. And I've got to see like their relationship and how close they are. And it's like father and son, right? Like it's so close. And that's what, that's what it takes, right? Like for a guy to really trust his trainer, trust his team. He's alone in the ring. Like it's a lonely game. But if you have yeah. that strong team around him, like it's so important for his mentality going in. No, it's listen, it's definitely, you know, when the bell rings, no matter how many rounds you're fighting, it's a lonely game. But like I said, it, the whole lead up, like you said, the camp, the after the fight, you know, leading up to a camp. What we do here is it's kind of like um, we have like a whole staff. You know what I mean? It's it's. um you know, we try to make it feel as much as a, a team sport as possible. And, and you got to give them support. And um, it's just tough. You know, this it's a tough sport in general, but there's so many easy fixes that can make it that much better. It's just nobody wants to do anything different. It's just and then when people try to do something different, they, they get hated for it. So it's it's an insane sport. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of old politics and, and uh, you know, people have been around for too long and stuff like that, but 
Well, you love, you go ask the trainers at Fifth Street Gym and ask them, hey, would you guys like to know after every round what the scorecards are? You've talked about that. Yeah, I think they're I think they're all open for it, honestly, because um, for the same reasons, as you mentioned, like they want to know. They want to know because they've been a part of m- many fights where the judging isn't right and yeah. they don't know what's going on. So um, I don't really see where it hurts anyone, really. I mean, like the that's, what I, that's gonna... what I tell people. I, I ask people all the time. And listen, let me tell you something, Patrick. One way or the other, I don't care if it's just in Connecticut. I'm going to make that happen one day. It has to because yeah. it makes it makes it's one of those things where I get obsessed with something. I go crazy like it makes no sense why. I shouldn't know what the score is, right? And, and um, it's just crazy to me. The whole thing is it's nuts. <laughs> yeah, it is nuts. It is nuts, especially when there's like other combat sports that are doing it out there. So it's like the model is out there. You can see how it works. I think for the betting, like I mentioned, like that's super fun in between yeah. rounds. Like the fans are like, okay, the odds are swinging this way, that way. Yeah. The judges are messing it up, whatever. So um interesting point i hope you got i hope that you get that done um in connecticut well, i'm gonna get it i don't know how i don't know how i don't know when. but listen if i don't accomplish anything else in boxing i will figure a way it to instill that in connecticut somehow i don't know how but it's gonna happen because until someone could give me a legitimate reason why it's harmful for the sport i i i'm gonna keep going man until i get it i don't care what i gotta do let's do it i'm excited for that well before i let you go i just wanted to talk about a couple couple more things just um about some of boxing's like stars right now a couple matchups outside of the heavyweight division um canelo and plant coming up and canelo's a guy like you mentioned who stays super active right i mean he's fighting like three four times a year um which is he's keeping the ball rolling for himself and it's fun for the fans but caleb plant brought up an interesting thing in the press conference um, about his drug testing history. And number one, I think I want to hear your opinion on that. But number two, I also like that Caleb Plant, he's talking some shit and he's not just laying yeah. down. A lot of guys lose the fight before they even get in there with Canelo. They almost give him too much respect. Yeah, well, I love both guys. I I, I, um, I remember the first time I saw Canelo fight was when I first started getting into boxing in 2011. He fought. I want to say he fought Ricky Hatton's brother. And I don't know. There was something about him. I'm like, this uh, Liam Smith. So Callum Smith, remember the tall dude he fought? Yeah. Fights ago? That was his, his brother, Liam Smith. Yeah, he knocked him out. Yeah, yeah. So I like Canelo. I, I like, I think, um, I love Caleb Plant too. And I like the fact that he's confident. You know, uh, again, you can have respect for your opponent. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to bow down. You know what I mean? So I like that about him. Uh, he's going to come to win. As far as the drug stuff goes, honestly, you know, I don't know. I mean, um, I, I don't know what to make of it. I, I don't know. Um, you know, that's another thing with boxing. I mean, I, I just think like there's too many questions sometimes. I mean, I think um, I think there's ways to do random testing. I think it's, there's ways to be more transparent about it. I don't know the answer to that. But I will say, and it goes to my point. I believe Canelo is as sharp as he is because of how active he is. Um, I'm telling you, it it plays a part. I've seen really good pros, really good pros um, who are off eight months and it, and they're great skilled guys, but it takes them four rounds to really get going again. So I I definitely think um, 
you know, I don't want to speak on anything regarding drugs. I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, Lord, only Lord knows you, you, you'd like yeah. to hope. Well, that you'd like to hope. And I'm a Canelo fan, honestly. Yeah. I just, I have to acknowledge it because. Well, yeah. Did, I mean, he did pop like he popped and he served. You know, that's, the, that's, the, that's, and that's the unfortunate thing is, you know, even which we all know, you know, if this was the first time he got hit and he got caught, we all know he probably was doing it for a lot longer than that. But, you know, you'd like to hope that it's not going on, but yeah. Lord knows. I mean, only he knows, only his team knows. But, um, no, I like Caleb Plant a lot. Um, uh, Canelo, he's just, uh, right now, he's just a guy. You know, he's just a guy. But um, I really like Caleb Plant. But this is what I'm saying. Caleb Plant takes a loss. That means nothing to me. He took a risk. He fought the best in the world right now. And I think it should only make him better. But um, yeah. hopefully people, you know, if he does take a loss, hopefully people don't just, you know, all of a sudden, you know, throw him, throw him under the rug there, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm just happy the fight's happening. You know, it's yeah. uh, the, no politics preventing it from happening. Thank God. Um, so that's just good for the boxing fans. I want to shout out one guy, the one fighter on the rise right now, one of my former guests, Edgar Berlanga from Brooklyn. Oh, man. 16 first round knockouts. And he's at 168 pounds. He's got some fights coming up. I don't think that matchup with Canelo is going to be happening anytime soon. No no way. But a lot of people are already saying that in a few years, he could be on a collision course with Canelo. One million percent. One million percent has to happen eventually. Uh, Edgar, I mean, I met him once in passing in the city, you know, a few years back and uh, humble guy, good guy. I mean, he's um, the future's in his hands. I mean, it, it's almost like uh, destiny's and it's whatever he wants to do with it. Um, that guy's he's for real. And um, he's only going to get he's only going to get better. Um, you know, he's got Andre Rozier as a trainer. That's one of the best in the business. Um, we love Dre he's yeah. down here with. The, I mean, he's got a great team i mean he's um he's 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 already big time but he's gonna he's got there's so many more levels for him yeah and everyone loves the knockout right so i mean if of you're course, yeah. people out, that's why i hope I, I mean i love tyson fury but as uh you know i don't know i'd like to see more people come out and support wilder i know everything he said or whatever like there's reasons why to get on him but he's the usa guy and he's that knockout artist so like i, yeah. I the usa gets behind wilder a little bit it's weird it's weird what people decide to get behind and what they don't decide to get it's it's strange man it's uh you would think everyone like even before he fought fury like no one before he fought fury like no one really knew who he was outside of like yeah. boxing fans which is just so crazy because he was literally just like sending guys into orbit and you're like how are people not just super fans of this guy he, he gives you exactly what you want the casuals want they don't even want to see boxing i don't want to see knockouts there's no i don't understand it and that's the other thing with this country the u.s with boxing it's you literally don't know. It's like, like, like you don't know what people like, don't like, you know, it's like you could have like a carbon copy of Deontay Wilder and they'll like it. And then you'll have Deontay Wilder right in front of you and you won't like it. So I don't know, man. It's like, uh, we're living in a strange time. And, and, and I just, I don't know what people like, you know, it's like dealing with women. You don't know what they want. <laughs> you don't know what they like. 
but uh, it, it's it's strange, man. You know, you just don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy game, but you know, the good thing is we're talking about various fights here, big fights that are happening, and boxing has a lot of attention on it right now, so it's all good. Um, yeah, that's what matters. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, you know, I I know you're you had that family atmosphere with the trashers. You had it. You have it now with the boxing gym. Is your dad involved at all, or is he just a fan of boxing, or is he like showing up to your events? Like he's probably loving it, right? Yeah, no, I mean he he um he wasn't a huge fan of boxing either, but he was a fan more than I was. Like he um you know he would tell me fights. He you know he liked Tyson obviously, so you know he liked guys like that. But um no, he enjoys it. He he stops at the gym a few times a week, kind of just you know. He does his thing. He kind of just, you know, observes and, uh, you know, you don't know what he's thinking half the time, but he, he likes, he likes, you know, coming to see the guys and the girls and they like seeing him and stuff. But, uh, yeah, you know, he, he supports everything and, and he likes to, you know, cheer the guys on and stuff. So it, it's always good to, you know, I bounce a lot of ideas off of him and, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a amazing, you know, invaluable resource for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good to hear. I'm excited for your future, man. I hope you become, even though you say you don't want to be the biggest promoter, I think you got the talent to do it and I'd like to see it. And uh, you got some, hey, you, just, you, ne- you never know, man. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, this sport is so crazy. It, it, I'm hoping there can be some changes made to make it easier for guys like me, because it's, it's very draining. It's hard to understand some of the stuff that goes on, but you know, you just got to adjust to it and, and roll with it. Yep. Yep. And uh, if you want to give a quick shout out to your guy fighting on the Wilder Fury undercard again, I know you mentioned he's wearing the trash or trunks. It's going to be fire. Um, yeah. Want to shout that guy out where everyone. Yeah, no, no. At, 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 uh, at Fly Mike, Fly Mike Marshall, uh, originally from the city and he moved, he moved to Danbury randomly like five years ago. And uh, yeah, Mike, Mike's a dog, man. He's, he's coming to fight and um you know, we got a great, we got a great team, a lot of young up and coming guys. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited, you know, do, do our part and, uh, hopefully just keep building. Yep. I love it. Well, I appreciate the time. Everyone go check out the doc on Netflix. If you haven't seen it yet, it's awesome. Super excited for you and your boxing future. And, um, you know, you can, they can go follow on Instagram, uh, at DB trashers as well. Thank you. I really appreciate the support, Patrick. All the best, man. Thank you, man. Peace.